Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me today uh, for the second of a series of four uh, talks on loving kindness. I'll title these the Tuesday Talks <laughs> because here in Thailand it's Tuesday. So the Tuesday Talks from Thailand <laughs> coming to you live from Chiang Mai here. The topic of these talks are loving kindness. And so just to make a, a couple of announcements here before I actually get started into uh, today's topic of loving kindness. So the thrust behind uh, the month-long talks of loving kindness is the fact that I'm going to be offering uh, two online retreats on loving kindness. Uh, the title of the retreat is Loving Kindness, Widening the Circle of Care. These retreats are held online over Zoom. Uh, the launch is December 1st, and it runs for eight weeks to January 24th. So there are two sections, section one and section two. Cleverly named, I might add. <laughs> so section one... Uh, we'll meet twice a week on Sundays and Wednesdays in the evening at 8 p.m. East Coast Standard Time. So adjust your times accordingly. Uh, section 2 will meet twice a week on Sunday and Wednesday mornings, 8 a.m. UK time. So that time, that section is really uh, created to uh, cater to people in Europe, also to cater to people who like to have a later uh, session in Asia, Australia, New Zealand, and so forth. So each, both section one and two uh, occur live over Zoom uh, for 120 minutes. So for two hours, uh, there is a break in the middle, about a 10 minute break. The sessions are recorded. So if you would like to study uh, these very, very beautiful teachings of loving kindness uh, and you find these times of the retreats uh, restrictive or limiting, uh, feel free to sign up to register. I do have participants who do register, who do the whole thing uh, through, uh, through the recordings. And you're welcome to do that. You still have access to me as a teacher and we can uh, meet one-to-one -one. Uh, over those eight weeks. So you're welcome to do that. Or if you know that you'd like to do the retreat and you'd like to do some of the sessions live, but you know that you'll miss a few here and there, also fine. Great. I welcome that. So again, the retreat uh, opens Wednesday, December 1st at 8 p.m. East Coast Standard Time and closes Sunday, uh, January 24th. Uh, the retreat includes guided meditations, lectures, Q&A sessions, private one-to-one -one sessions with myself, and interactive discussions with the community. There'll be a Facebook community page as well. And the entire eight-week program uh, is $99 is the registration fee for the eight-week program, uh, $99 US dollars. If you find the price uh, limiting, and you'd like to attend, but you feel you can't afford that, please do reach out, uh, either through Messenger or through my website, and uh, we can find a way uh, to make the fee accessible 
I have scholarships, limited amount of scholarships available, and financial aid. So the website is uh, suchsweetthunder.org. And so if you'd like more information about that retreat or any of the other programs that I'm offering, uh, visit the website. And again, you can email me there as well. Okay, so that's, I think, all of the announcements I would like to make today. So time to move into uh, the task at hand. And so as a way of kind of settling into the present moment, I'd like to offer just a brief guided meditation here at the very beginning. And so I'll ring the bell and I'll just uh, guide us through a meditation. This may be about five or seven minutes long. Uh, and then we'll move into the topic of loving kindness. So enjoy this practice. And so the invitation here is just to arrive into this present moment. And there are many ways of arriving into the experience of the here and now. And so for this practice, let's start with the sounds of the present moment. And so the invitation here is just to listen to whatever sounds might be available. There might be loud sounds or quiet, subtle sounds. There might be sounds generated by nature, such as bird songs or crickets or geckos the sound of rain or wind. There might be a conversation nearby or in the distance, the sound of my voice. There might be sounds generated by electronics and appliances. You might notice how the sounds simply appear they might stay for a while, and, and then they disappear. And after a sound disappears, it leaves space, or it disappears into the silence. And so you might notice this interactive dance between sound and silence. And so just rest. There's no effort required to listen to the present moment. Those sounds simply appear and they're instantly known and they disappear and they're instantly let go of.
And so while we're here resting with the sounds, the invitation then is to bring awareness and attention to the feet, inviting the muscles in the feet to rest, relax. You might notice sensations of clothing against the legs and so inviting the muscles in the legs to unwind and grow soft. You might also notice the weight of the body against the cushion or chair or mat or floor. And inviting the muscles underneath those sensations to relax and rest. And you might also notice sensations of clothing against the back, inviting the muscles in the back to rest. Perhaps noticing the hands resting against the body or touching each other, the arms resting against the body. And inviting the hands and arms to relax and unwind. There may be sensations arising from the shoulders, inviting the muscles in the shoulders to relax and rest. You might also notice sensations arising from the back of the neck, sides of the neck. And so inviting the muscles in the neck to relax and unwind, grow soft. You might also notice sensations arising throughout the cheeks of the face. And letting any tension or stress that's held in the face go. and noticing sensations arising from the top of the head. And if at any time during this guided meditation you should find you get distracted by thinking you could just use that word thinking to note what's happening. And when you do that, you might notice the thoughts dissolve. And you can gently return back to the meditation, to the task at hand. Resting with the sounds. Resting with the sensations of the body. And so here, the invitation is just to notice the breath. If you wish, taking a nice, long, nourishing, deep breath. And allowing the out-breath to be just a little bit slower or longer than the in-breath.
you might invite the breathing to just return to its uncontrolled breathing pattern whenever it feels comfortable to do so. And so noticing the rising and falling of the abdomen with the breath. The rib cage expanding and contracting. And you might notice the rising and falling of the shoulders as you inhale and exhale. The back moving out as you breathe in and in as you breathe out. And perhaps also noticing how the temperature changes from cooler to warmer at the nose and the back of the throat. And so just resting here. Resting with the breath and the body and the silence and sound. If an experience, a thought, or a sensation arises that takes you away from resting, you might simply pose the question, can I rest with this? Don't try to answer the question, but allow the question to simply guide your awareness back to the resting. Resting in the body. Resting in the mind. And resting in the heart. Just during this meditation, allow yourself to rest very, very deeply. You don't need to make anything happen. You don't need to figure anything out. There's nowhere to go. There's no one to be. There's nothing to solve. And so you can just rest. And 
And so in the next breath or two, we'll begin to shift away from this brief guided meditation and back into a conversational space. And I'll cue that by ringing the bell three times. So thank you for joining me for that very brief guided meditation on the topic of resting. And if you wish to explore that meditation further, you can press pause now if you're watching this back on recording. If you're live, then, uh, then I could uh, guide you over to my podcast page where there's hundreds of guided meditations and several of them on the topic of resting. Or if you, you wish, you could send me a message uh, that you want to deepen your quality of rest, meditating on resting, and, uh, and I'd be happy to send you a link to some guided meditations. But for now, let's uh, move into the topic of loving-kindness. This really, really beautiful topic. How lucky I feel to... Uh, to be able to sit here and just talk about loving kindness for a while. <laughs> I'm, I'm very blessed in that way. So last time we met, and you don't have had to have seen the last session on last Tuesday that I gave in order to receive benefit from this. All of these sessions are, are standalone. But just to refer to the last time we met, we... we um, did a brief uh, look at loving-kindness for ourself. And how one might do that is to offer phrases which are imbued with the quality of loving-kindness. And we offer those to our own heart. And so today we'll eventually get to offering those same or similar phrases to people we love or people we like, people we're fond of. So, in a practice, one might do that by just thinking about a loved one, a family member, a friend, a close friend, it could even be a pet. Some teachers say we shouldn't use our partners, uh, romantic interests and things like that. And there's good reason for that. And perhaps I'll speak to that in a little bit. Uh, for me personally, I, I think it's, it's okay to use a partner, a loved one. I've kind of recently changed my view on this. Uh, but just to be aware that uh, the quality of desire can be a hindrance to the cultivation of loving-kindness. And so just to be aware that, that that is one of the potential pitfalls of practicing loving-kindness uh, to people we have a desire-based relationship with. And so if you're new to the practices of loving-kindness, you might want to just select someone different a close friend or a family member, a brother or a sister. 
so then you don't have that uh, danger. And so I want to, you know, kind of specify there that, you know, if we have a desire-based relationship with someone, then that relationship usually has some kind of, you know, reciprocation base. I'll, you know, show you loving kindness and care for you as long as you continue to show me loving kindness and care for me. But true loving kindness, true metta, as it's known as in Pali and Sanskrit, uh, doesn't have that quality to it at all. We only want what we only want that person's happiness, regardless of how they feel towards us. That our intention is that person find their happiness, their joy, and in that, that's the reward in itself. When we see that person in their happiness, in their uh, joy in their comfort, in their contentedness, uh, we reap the benefits of that. And so that's true loving kindness. And so that's how uh, that can be confusing sometimes. So I'm just going to talk us through how this meditation might go. And if then we might have a chance to do a little bit of meditating towards the end. So I would guide one into the present moment. So if you were on the retreat with me, I would ring the bell just like I did a few moments ago. I'll bring us into the present moment, but then rather than going into a deeper state of rest, I would invite you to just think of a loved one. Bringing this loved one into the present moment with you, so to speak, either by visualizing them or Sometimes you could just say their name a few times, getting a feel for their presence. And if you're visualizing, it sometimes it's nice to visualize actually giving them a gesture of love and kindness. Like you might visualize hugging this person or shaking their hand, or if it's a good friend, you might say, hey man, what's up? You know, give them a high five. However you normally might greet them, but a little bit, a little bit even warmer than that perhaps. And as this person comes into focus through this visualization or just feeling their presence, recognizing how this loved one uh, wants happiness, just like we want happiness, right? Just like we want to be comfortable, we want to be content with our life, so too our loved one wants to be happiness or wants to be happy. And they also want to avoid suffering. And this is the basic human condition, that all human beings want happiness and want to avoid suffering. And so we acknowledge that in our loved one. And we connect that to ourself. So drawing that connection, that empathetic uh, tie, if you will, with the loved one there, that we're connected through this uh, real real calling to be happy and to avoid suffering. And then you might say to them, may you know happiness and the causes of happiness. And that's one of the first phrases that we offer to the loved one. May you know happiness, may you know the causes of happiness. 
we'll just talk through the other phrases then. So the idea then is to pause in between the phrases and to actually kind of visualize or imagine uh, our loved one's life unfolding uh, as if each phrase was completely true for that person's life circumstance. So we say, may you know happiness and the causes of happiness. And then we pause there and really visualize that person or imagine that person completely happy. And so you might think, well, that's impossible. Right? Nobody can be completely happy all of the time. That's fine. That's a very typical resistance to the practice. So it doesn't matter if it's impossible. <laughs> what matters is to just kind of imagine or visualize them completely happy and then feel what that feels like for you. So the first phrase, again, may you know happiness, may you know the causes of happiness. The second phrase, May you be safe and healthy. And so, taking a few moments here, just following along with me. Visualizing your loved one. Feeling completely safe. Completely healthy. What might that look like or feel like for them? The third phrase, may you live a life of peace without struggle. And so here again, there might be a resistance, right? Maybe you're visualizing or you're working with a particular loved one, but you know that their life has some struggle in it right now. And that's fine. Yeah. Just acknowledge that. All human life has struggle. No one is exempt. And so then you might remember a time when this particular loved one was free from struggle. Maybe it was just for a moment. Maybe you were with them and they just came home from a long day at work and they sat down on the couch and sighed. Ah, right? In that moment, there's no struggle. And so then you might visualize or imagine their whole life feeling the way they felt in that moment. How might they experience their life if they were that free from struggle? And then feeling that for yourself. The next phrase, may I open to things just as they are. 
So really experiencing our loved one, opening to the circumstances of their life. And this phrase, I love this phrase, <laughs> because it really, it shows us that some of the resistances that we have towards loving kindness towards ourselves or for others is based on a resistance to the circumstances of life. The, we, we enter in, into arguments with the inarguable aspects of life. And that's fine. Those resistances are normal. We don't want to villainify our resistances. So the idea is when we notice these, these blocks or resistances, as I like to call them, to, to get to know them, to become intimate with them and to hold them with compassion. The resistances are there for a reason. So we just want to get to, to know them so that eventually in our day-to-day -day experience when somebody offers us kindness, a compliment, a smile, holds the door open for us, whatever it is, then we can open to that kindness freely. We don't ignore it or we don't shut down. The resistance comes up. We say, oh, there you are. How nice. And then we let the kindness in. So may I open to things just as they are. We're extending it to a loved one. May you open to things just as they are. May you experience the world opening to you just as you are. May you experience the world opening to you just as you are. I love all of these phrases, but I, I think this one is, is so deep. <laughs> And so we, we try to witness or experience or visualize our loved one. And the whole world is opening to them just as they are. How would that feel for that person? What would that look like? How would that change their way of relating to the world? Again, if there are resistances, just hold those resistances. Allow the phrases to land in the heart. May you experience the world opening to you just as you are.
May you welcome whatever arises. May you welcome whatever arises. So again, encouraging us to visualize or imagine our loved one's life unfolding as if they could welcome whatever arose in their life. How radical. Uh -huh. What would life look and feel like for them? And so in the guided meditation that I'll be offering on these retreats, and that I offer in one-to-one -one sessions sometimes, and on the podcast I have some guided meditations on loving-kindness, I generally guide people through the phrases two or three times, pausing for about a minute in between each phrase. And so in that pause, the, the, the phrase and how we hold the phrase can really begin to shift. That's where a lot of the work happens. These phrases are written in such a way that they get under our skin. And some of you here may have done loving-kindness practices before. and You know, there are some really basic phrases like, you know, may I be happy, may I be at ease, may I be healthy. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. That's a different kind of practice. But these practices are really insight practices. They're really designed as I, as I said, to get under our skin and to kind of knead their way into our heart. And in doing that, they bring out the resistances that we've built and created around our heart in regards to loving kindness, for whatever reason. And we start to see that those resistances have outlived their expiration date. They're like sour milk. We don't need to, to imbibe those any longer. And so we can get rid of those. And in doing that, we become much more available to others, to ourselves, to life. So I want to mention here that these practices of loving-kindness are, are not about cultivating a type of a blissful experience, although that might happen from time to time. That's not the main focus. It's not about cultivating a calmness in, in the practice so that we can kind of capture this feeling of calm and then bring that out with us into the world. So that never really works for very long. You might be calm for 10 minutes, or a half an hour, and then something throws us off, and then we're back into our normal, perhaps reactive way of being in the world. So these practices are really about 
cultivating a set of skills and tools so that we might have those available in our everyday life experience. It's kind of similar to a musician who goes into the practice room and runs scales and arpeggios and long tones, right? So I used to be a double bass player many, many years ago, in a previous incarnation, and I used to practice long, long tones with the bow, just you know, for, for quite some time every day. <laughs> But if I went out on stage and, and did that, I'd get booed off the stage, right? So there, it's a different thing, right? What we're doing in the practice is different than the performance. We cultivate the skills in meditation so that we might engage in our life in a, in a more skillful way. So I think that's worth noting because sometimes people get frustrated in regards to meditation, they might be meditating and having some really, you know, profound insights or deep experiences in meditation, some blissful experiences perhaps, and then they leave meditation and go out in their everyday life and they, and they enter into suffering again. So the idea is to recognize what's happening there and cultivate the skills recognize the skill set that we're cultivating so that we can access it in our day-to-day -day experience. And so here, we're cultivating a skill of loving kindness so that we can be more kind and more loving in our life. So there was a great uh, uh, phrase that was offered by a Zen master. I believe this was the third patriarch of Zen whose name escapes me now. And he was asked, uh, what is the meaning of all of the wisdom teachings? Or what is the meaning of all of the teachings of the Buddha, was the actual question. And the Zen master replied, an appropriate response. An appropriate response. And so the, the idea behind all of these practices and all of these teachings is to, to cultivate this skill to respond to the present moment appropriately. And so loving kindness practice is really about cultivating the ability to be in our experience of life as completely as possible without falling into reactive patterns. You recall the phrase, may I open to things just as they are. May I welcome whatever arises, right? These phrases are about embracing life. This open-hearted warmth towards our experience. Now, I often offer this, and I, and I want to do so again here, so pardon the repetition if you've heard me speak to this before, but we don't use these practices to condone bad behavior or people who have transgressed against us. If somebody's, you know, causing us harm or hurt or there's 
they're causing suffering out in the world. That needs to be addressed. And so loving kindness doesn't, you know, inhibit our ability to do that. In fact, the practices of loving kindness help us do that in a more effective way. Because if we can open to things just as they are, we can open to the fact that that person is causing suffering to another or that person is causing us suffering. We open to that. And then from that open space of kindness, we move forward to address that imbalance. So where we might have, if somebody was hurting me or causing me harm, prior to a practice like this, I might have moved forward and, and yelled at that person or even attacked that person or punched that person in, in the name of self-defense. Perhaps that would have been uh, the only option that I saw that would have been available. And we all do this, right? We all say, oh, that person made me so angry, right? We kind of justify it, thinking that that's what anybody would have done. Because before a practice like this, we only see the one response that we've always done in the past. That's why it's called a habitual reactive pattern. So when we engage in practices like love and kindness, we start to see that there are other choices. Oh, I don't have to do that. I can open to this situation and open also to the feeling of my patterns, but let them go. Say, oh, I can, I don't have to hurt this person because they were, you know, causing me grief, but I can actually address it in a skillful way. So, Typically, to speak to that just a little bit more, uh, typically when we have an experience, any experience, we generally have three types of reactions. Uh, we either want to take it over, you know, hold on to it, grasp it. That's the reaction to some sort of attraction that we might have. Or we want to get rid of it, we want to push it away, we want, we want to, you know, annihilate it out of our life. That arises from some sort of aversion. Or we just ignore things or numb out, which is our typical reactive pattern to indifference. And so loving kindness allows us to see how that might happen. It's, we can start to see our reactive patterns and move away from those. So, we are running very short on time, and so I don't think we'll actually do a full guided meditation here today. I've talked for almost 45 minutes. So. But I will post a link to a guided meditation at the comments just underneath this video once it's posted on the Facebook page there and uh, on Instagram and on YouTube. Or feel free to email me through the website again or message me, say I'd really like to do some guided meditations on loving kindness. I'd be happy to, to send you a link uh, to a guided meditation. 
For more information about the retreat itself, where we'll be taking a very, very deep look at these practices, the one I outlined here and, and many others, uh, please do go visit the website, look at the retreats and programs page. There's all the information you'll need about the retreat there. If you're ready to register, go ahead and email me or, or message me through Facebook or Instagram, and uh, we'll go ahead and get you registered and signed up. Love to have you on the course. Uh, I'm very excited about it, actually. I, I really enjoy facilitating these retreats. It's, uh, it's something I, I so, so love to do. So hope to see you there. I'll be back here on Thursday, an hour earlier, at the previously scheduled time at 10 p.m. East Coast time, or 10 a.m. here in Thailand. Uh, on Thursday, talking about uh, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path of Buddhism, but without the ism, just delivering it in a very secular fashion. Uh, it's a great model for practice and a great uh, map uh, for how we might free ourselves from the conditions of suffering inherent in the human experience. So I hope you'll join me for that. Uh, have a great morning, afternoon, evening, and uh, we'll see you next time. I'll ring the bell to close it out. Thank you.